welcome to another episode of the Florida Culture Podcast. It's not the podcast for us, by us. It's the best kept secret of the today. You got your boy Grego here. Ringo and Coach are out doing the good work, but I got, I didn't come in for Canada. I actually got a, a, a very special guest on the show to the co-host with me. I got a Moby Akuga of Austin Bowl. You might know, used to play in MLS. I used, uh, used to even uh, have time with the national team. Like, what's going on, man? No, not too much, man. Thanks for having me. Um, I'm, I'm tapped in. Uh, I appreciate you having me on this platform. Yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, he does a program called Our Frugal Athlete. We're going to talk about that a little later on in the show. I, I want to make sure you guys hear a lot about that. But yeah, man, we're, um, we're hitting the close to the end of the season on all fronts, man. It's about to come to the end of the MLS season. USL got a couple more weeks, man. Like, as, as, as a player, like, are you able to kind of, like, watch the games kind of, like, as a fan or, like, when you watch games or, like, you just kind of, like, in, like, you're watching it as a player, like, okay, he missed that assignment, he missed that assignment. Like, how, like, how did that normally work out for you? Oh, it's tough because I'm always watching soccer games. So, uh, a lot of my boys are on the on different teams, so I'm watching as a supporter. Uh, but then I'm also watching as, like, kind of like a fan uh, player, like, I get kind of intense when I'm watching it. So I was like, yo, what are you doing? Why would you do that play? Or, <laughs> so it like, people say they can't watch games with me because I get too intense, but it's all for the love of the game. I, I, I'm sure, man. Like, you know, it, it's, it's hard enough as a fan. So it, like, of course, like half of us, you know, it's like we kind of know, but we don't know. So like, I, I'm pretty sure like as a player, it's like, oh, like, like you had that assignment, right? Like, what are you doing? <laughs> <laughs> exactly. But then it's like, you can always see it from the TV, but you don't know what they're thinking in the game. But still, it's like, yo, what are you doing? This guy's right, wide open, make him play or follow your runner. Like, simple things like that, but everything's different in the game. Cool, cool, cool. Speaking of not following your assignments, like, were you watching uh, Champions League today? <laughs> oh, yeah, I watched the Champions League. Uh, so it was like 86th minute. I was like, all right, it's 5-2. Let me just, you know, start. Um, doing some errands, and then I checked the final score, seven two Byron. I'm like, where the, where the, where the rest, where the extra goals coming from? Yeah, yeah, um, then, yeah. Byron, like they 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 took Spurs to the woodshed. I was like, Jesus, man, because like, I think that the uh, Spurs had a had a pretty strong start. You know, they they scored first. Uh, Son had the first goal, and then all of a sudden it was like, oh, Byron came came to send a message. Like yeah, they came to send a message. It was crazy. Yeah, because like usually, like I was talking to some of my friends on, on online, and they were like, you know, like usually that type of game, like you usually have against like an Olympiacos or or a Ghent, and it was like you don't you don't normally see that against the Spurs. It was like oh, they get they can get that work too. Especially with the, I mean, they were finalists last year, and especially with the Pochettino's team, you know, they're usually well drilled. So for them to go seven. To, uh, to get spanked at home 7-2. Uh, I don't want to say he's lost the locker room, but, you know, when a coach has been there at the helm for so long and uh, nothing really changes, you can start to see the – you can start to see the changes on the field in terms of the lack of uh, stability within the within the spine of the team, within the within the, uh, within the team as a whole in terms of performance. So it's going to be really telling to see what happens moving forward. It's funny that you mentioned that because, like, I've pretty much been spending, like, all, like, since we, before we started recording, uh, I, I, I've been on 
on my Facebook chat with, with a lot of the culture fam and just been going at it about, you know, how I because like we mentioned in uh, last week during last week's show as far as like where Spurs have really been going. And I definitely this this match doesn't really help because I've because Pochettino's been there for what, seven years now, hasn't won mm-hmm. a trophy. You know, of course, he went to Champions League final last year, but it was still lost. And like you're you're reaching a point where it's like okay, the the team isn't responding like they used to. They're not getting the results that they used to. Even you know you're in this brand new stadium. Every you know everything's all shiny and new and everything, and and the team's playing like shit. And it's like you know, <laughs> like and if you look at like all like literally like every team around them, but especially those that are like traditionally in, in the top six. Like in the time that Pochettino has been managing Spurs, everyone around him has won titles, whether it's been Chelsea, whether it's been even Man United, Man City, Liverpool, everyone around him. Like, even Leicester has, has won, uh, won the league, and Spurs hasn't. I'm like, you know, maybe it's just, you know, they're just star-crossed, and it's just not meant to be because, and it's like, at, at what point do you just say, okay, you know what, this, this, this might not be it. Like, you know, we like we've got, we've gotten as far as we can go with this guy. We may need to do something else. And of course, the tough part, kind of like with my boys, um, with May United, is like, you know, like if if you do decide to cut bait, who exactly do you go to? Because there's so there's so few top coaches right now that are that are that are actually available to done to be hired. Exactly, and it's like, you know, I feel like it's like, like kind of like you don't know what you have until you lose it, but. At the end of the day, like you, Tonhan, you guys can't even get like a Carlin Cup, or uh, an FA Cup. I mean, after the semifinals versus Ajax, you would think, all right, maybe this is going to be like the storybook ending. They can get Champions League, but um, like you said, seven years without a trophy. Um, Tonhan has put themselves in a place where, all right, they're a big club, so they got to start producing like a big club and get trophies. But like you said, like which coach do they go for that can really get them over the edge? Because I feel like Potch has done a great job, um, really commendable job. So it's like I feel like it's a lose lose. It it really is. And then, of course, to to have to lose to Byron and for them to to give up four goals to a former Gunner, Sir <laughs> like he just like came back to North London and said, you know what? And of course, he even tweeted afterwards like North London <laughs> is still <laughs> with. <laughs> That was that's was, salt in the wounds right there. Absolutely, I was like, you know what? See, I said he because he had a game. Was like, I, I'm not even sure, like, did he start uh, the day? I'm not even sure. But uh, but yeah, I know that he was there in the second half. He came, he came and wrecked wreck, wreck shit. It was like goodness. I I did not see that coming because the funny thing there is that I was uh, watching I was watching Byron over the weekend uh, uh, and. <laughs> Actually, had a, a pretty close game, and I was uh, spending the weekend, you know, just like hyping up by Lewandowski because, like, he's probably like one of the last few true strikers in Europe where it's like, like giving the ball and I'll score. But mm-hmm. and like, of course, and he got his money money um against Spurs too. But it's like Nabry just like, hey, he just all of a sudden just took over. And like that's how like you know stars are made. Like like when you want to make your name, you make your name in the Champions League. And yeah, like he he definitely did that. 
That's facts. Yeah, Champions League is where stars are made, and uh, even if it's the group stage, uh, Nabry really, you know, really said, you know, put his name on the map. I mean, it's not like he wasn't already on the map, but four goals versus Tottenham, you know, now he's going to be like a household name. Yeah, absolutely. So, like, so what uh, what clubs do you normally follow in Europe? So right now, I I, I not say right now. It's it's tough times for me right now, but I'm a Chelsea fan, so. We're going How through do you a release. do this, man? Like, I, I swear <laughs> to God, man. <laughs> so it's going to be people is a tough sick. time. I, I just don't get it, man. I don't get it. <laughs> it's so weird. <laughs> but uh, it, but it, let's bring up a good question, though, because, like, I was um, I was hoping to talk about this with Ringo um, and Tony today because I've been ducking around it for the past few weeks, but, like, it seems like the story just keeps on coming up. What are your views on Pulisic at at Chelsea? Because at least I have the idea, at least the feeling that probably they know what to do with him. Because all this considered, like, sorry was never included as far as the plans of, of signing him, and obviously Lampard wasn't a, wasn't a part of those plans either. So it's like you basically have a guy that nobody had plans for, and you're like, hey, I got this guy for seventy million. You know, you know, find something to do with him. Yeah, it's a tough situation, but I think Pulisic will be fine. You know, Chelsea, a top team, they have so many games throughout the course of the season that he's going to get his minutes um, right now, especially when you have the young English contingent. Mm. Uh, I say there's going to be a little bit of a bias to play, you know, the young English contingent with the way Chelsea's trying to go with their kind of youth movement. That's um, weird. That's so weird now because, like, of course, anyone who's followed Chelsea for the longest noted that was that was usually like what they were – it was usually the opposite. Where like, like exactly the only English guys they would play would be Lampard and John Terry, and like now it's like Lampard's there. Like he's actually given focus to the guys that are in in uh, from coming up from their academy. Of course, the fact that they had so many guys that that really were there and able to step up now, it's like it shows at least they were trying to do something. Just that the opportunity was just never there. Exactly. So. Um... It just speaks to because, like, I think remember the reports that used to have like the Chelsea players that are on loan and they could like literally be like a, a, a its own club team. Yeah. So I feel like they, you know, they there's so much money wasted out, you know, sending these players on loan. So why not develop them within? Um, so I think with Lampard, he's just it's a, it's a trust factor as well. You know, he didn't he wasn't part of the um, the decision to bring Pulisic in, but he knows, you know, these English these young English guys that are to be fair, performing. And Ballistic is still getting settled in. It's a long season. He's still young. So I, I have full faith that, you know, he's going to provide uh, for Chelsea. You know, Willian's getting older. Pedro's getting older. And they're really going with this youth movement. So, uh, yeah, I, I'm I'm not too worried about it. Yeah, I'm kind of on, on the same page. I think that, like, I look at things kind of in the, in the viewpoint of they're kind of in a similar situation as – they are here with the, with the U.S. national team where they're still not sure like, like where exactly is his best spot, you know, whether it's going to be out in the wing, whether it's going to be somewhere central. And until you kind of figure that part out, it's like, okay, at, at, on, on the club side, you know, you, you have alternatives that, that they can always just go to, whereas with the national team, it's like, hey, you know, he's our best player. Like, we will just got to figure it out, you know, and, and, and just keep him out there. But uh, I, I I think with with Chelsea, it's like yeah, like you, you got options, and 
you know, and if we don't have and if we don't have options, we can still go buy something once the ban is over with. So <laughs> that's true. Where where would you play Pulisic then? Left winger or center mid? Or um, center that's a tough one because I think it all like I'll I'll say this much. I think with the national team, it all, it uh, I would think that if you have the right protection around him, he could flourish as a ten. Uh, though I could act, though I could honestly see like why you would want to have him out on the wing, because I think that you know it, it it all comes down to like what formation that we run. Of course, with everything that that Burhalter's been doing, you know, it's it's kind of really hard to really gauge like where exactly he should be. But I think that ideally. I would have him as the t- as the as the cam um, behind two strikers and right there between two two center mids and two strikers right there in the middle on a, in a three five two. That would be me. Huh? You you trust the U.S. national team in a three five two? I think that you know personnel wise, I think that's that's that suits our our best strengths. I think that now I think now tactically it could be. It could be a bit of a challenge, but I think that compared to like maybe ten years ago, we're maybe like a, a slight bit more advanced um, tactically. At least at least the younger kids are. I think, um, and and of course, given where we are right now, we're so we're so young is that it's kind of like there's no one really ahead of them to really say, okay, don't do this, do less of the bad shit, more of the good shit. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> And and so like it's so like it's kind of it's kind of it, it's still a tricky time right now because like I, I've said for a while like you know the way things are going like you're you're probably still another year out before you really start seeing like real like real results because you're still waiting on guys to really find their footing with their with their club teams until you really see that part you're not really going to really know like what you're going to get with the national team. No, that's facts. Yeah, people are still you know developing. Um, really making their mark within their club teams. So uh, it's going to be really interesting. Um, I'm excited to see this uh, this CONCACAF League Nations and really, who really kind of sets himself apart within the national team because right now it's like, all right, we know about Pulisic. We know about Tyler Adams, even though he's hurt. We know about Weston. But outside of that, it's like, okay, show me what you got. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's it's one of those things where, like, uh, um, of course, we got the the international break coming up uh, next week, so we're actually going to give a little bit more focus on that. But like, but it's fun that you mentioned the Nations League because uh, there was a new interview that came out uh, from our dear old friend Jurgen Klinsmann, who basically just said that the Nations League is a big waste of time. <laughs> and honestly, all considering, I see where he's getting that because I think the Concacaf's kind of handicapped. You know, because you have so few top teams in in the region, and it's like it, for those teams, they need to be playing outside of Concacaf. And until until you can get a point where you know the teams in the West Indies, Central America, until like you know more of them are stronger, if they're if they're able to get stronger at all, it's kind of like. How exactly was nation is nationally going to make everyone better? Like I feel like, like there was a story that came out like a month or two ago where uh, Concacaf was trying to um, 
put basically put like a merge uh, tournament with them and Common Ball with the Copa America, and Common Ball said no. And I'm like, honestly, I can understand why they would say no, but at the same time, I'm like, if there is something that I think that could benefit both regions, actually would actually be the Nations League, to where you know you are able to play play against an increased a larger pool of teams that that might actually be able to challenge you because you saw like everyone was was all hot shit about Mexico until they got smoked by Argentina. Yeah, that's true. And that wasn't even Argentina's full squad. So, um, you know, when you want to be the best, you got to play the best. And uh, I mean, to be fair, you know, US we haven't qual we didn't qualify for the last World Cup. We haven't won Gold Cup, so we can't really talk about, you know, whether the Nations League is for us right now because we're not even the top team in the in the region. But at the same time, in order to, you know, get better, to compete in the World Cups, um, we need to consistently uh, play those top teams. So it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a tricky situation because, I mean, over the, over the course of the history, yeah, we've been a top team, but if we go on past results, you know, we're coming off a, a World Cup loss or not a loss, but we missed the World Cup. So mm. it's kind of like, you know, we, we just got to we got to be able to how can I say we got to be able to back back up our words like, yeah, we want to be a big team. So let's show it. Let's right. Be beat every team in the region and make it uh, get ourselves up higher in the rankings. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, yeah. Next week we'll we'll go. Um, dig deep as far as like what the what the rosters looking like. I know we have uh, I think it's Cuba and Canada going into uh, the next uh, slate of games. So you know we'll see like how things go there. But yeah, man. Um, so we got a Moby Akugo on the show. We got the last week of MLS coming up this weekend. I was looking at the at the standings and like there's actually a lot of spots that are up for grabs like in the East. What I noticed is that two, three, four, five, and six, seven are up for grabs. Like like just those two, like they can both go like on. They can both switch up in either either one of those uh, those spots. Out in the West, it's really up for grabs. Like, of course, uh, congrats to LAFC. They 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 clinched the supporter shield last week against um, uh, uh, Minnesota Minnesota United and. Carlos Vela, he tied the single season score record. He tied my boys' record. Like I don't care what anybody said. Like he better not break it next week. Uh, this weekend, I don't care about that. <laughs> I really think if Jose, uh, if Sosef was still wasn't injured, I think he would have matched his record this year again. He would have found it's, a way. Like it, it's crazy. Like you know, like when you look at you know this this season, last season, and especially the first season where he really did have a lot of injuries. If he had just been healthy for a large majority, like like who knows like where he could have he could actually. I think he's like right around like seventy four goals in each of those uh, these past three seasons. I'm not expecting him to to play this weekend. I know like he's. I know that there's been like videos, uh, rocky videos of him in training and everything. Uh, so we got New England uh, this weekend. If we win, we cl- we clinch the two seed. If we if we don't, if we tie, we need some help. 
But um, if you draw, we need some help. Um, I know your your boys, uh, Billy, like they're 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 right there neck neck and neck with us, uh, and they play uh, NYS, NYCFC. They in um, uh, New York City. They actually clinched the uh, the East uh, last week as well. So they might decide, you know, what, let's go in this chill this this week. Like, wh- how are you seeing things um, unfolding? It's crazy because I think it's all about the matchups. Like, would you rather play Toronto? Would you rather play New England? in that first round. So uh, depending on how it all shakes out, in all honesty, if I, you know, was this two or three seed, I'd rather play uh, New England um, just because Toronto has experience in the playoffs. Um, So it's going to be interesting to see, like, which teams rest guys, which teams go for it. Um, I know, obviously, Martinez is going to be out for Philly. It looks like Bedoya is hurt. And that's a big that's a big loss for them. Mm-hmm. Um, but Coach Curtin, he knows how to set him up. I think he'll have ready. Um, but it's just it's tough because you, you you as a as a team you want to you like you look at all these scenarios. But at the end of the day, playoffs you can't really you can't really prepare for them. You know you just give yourself the best opportunity, which is hosting, and go from there. Obviously, the first year Atlanta was in the playoffs, they lost to Columbus. Last year, LAFC lost to Salt Lake. So, like, home field advantage, it really it, it matters, but it doesn't matter at the end of the day. So, it, it's going to be interesting. That's all I, I That's all I can say. I'm excited to see, uh, you know, the star players really show out now that playoffs are here. Gotcha. Let, let's see, which, between you and me here, you know, like, we, we, we boys here, like, you know, like, you know, don't, don't worry about everybody else here, like, because I know that there was some, some overlap between you and Jim Curtin and Philly. Did you really? Did you like given all the ups and downs? Did you expect for him to stay this remain this long in Philly? Uh, to be honest, because uh, he was a young coach. Yeah. Uh, uh, and the way Philly was, like the whole organization at the time, mm-hmm. it was as stable, I guess to say, as it is now. So to be honest, no, it wasn't like he wasn't a good coach or anything. It was just like the outside factors that, that want to allow him to prosper is whether like, sorry my, my throat's killing me um is whether the outside resources were going to allow him to flourish and obviously things have changed um things are better are always better when you're winning so that first year we went to the u.s open cup finals that second year he was in charge i think they, make, they went to the playoffs or they didn't go to the playoffs but the following year they did um so you know he's shown that even with little to no resources, he's been very successful. And then now that they're, you know, investing in the team, investing in his staff, investing in the training environment, Philly could be a consistently good team, um, consistently in the playoffs, consistently um, surprising teams um, if they just continue to do it right. You know, they got the youth team, they got the youth players, they got the homegrown players, they got the internationals. You know, maybe not superstars, but vital contributors. And then they got the the American veterans. And as we've seen in MLS, that's like the recipe for success. Everyone tries to find like this new way to do it. But at the end of the day, that's the recipe for success. Atlanta does it that way. LAFC does it that way. Um, Seattle and Philly is doing it. Although a different route, they're doing it essentially the same way. And um, they're reaping the benefits. Yeah, indeed, indeed. Um, what are your uh, uh, memories of Bridgeview? Uh, 
uh, with, with the Chicago Fire. Uh, of course, they uh, just had their final game out, out in Bridgeview, south of South Chicago. Uh, yeah, they'll be moving over to to uh, Soldier Field next year. New ownership, hopefully not not new name. Hopefully, but uh, uh, what are your uh, memories of Chicago? Chicago is a great city, by the way. Uh, great city, but that that drive to Bridgeview, like before and after a game, is just so far away from the city. So, if, like, if the players are like annoyed that they have to drive out there, you can only imagine the fans um, having to, you know, make that trek all the way to Bridgeview. Um, I can't speak like from the inner workings because I never played for Chicago, but um, from what I understand from you know players that I know. They're saying this is the best thing that could have happened um, in terms of moving to the city, being in downtown. Uh, Chicago has a rich history of soccer and, you know, you know, a lot of different cultures. So the closer it is to downtown, um, the better it is, because being in Chicago, like that big of a city, you know, great away game, great road trip. And just that having that big of a hassle to get out to the games uh, is kind of annoying. So. Happy for the city of Chicago, happy for the fan base. And like you said, hopefully they don't rebrand it. You know, Chicago Fire has a rich history. Um, so hopefully they keep, you know, keep keep that. Save the fire, don't start the fire. Yeah. <laughs> I like that one. But, um, Save the fire. Well, yeah, before we go on break, of course, I want to talk about the West as well. Like I said, L.A. just uh, cleansed the supporter shield. Uh, the way things are looking out there, you have second seed, third seed, fourth seed, fifth seed that could really all, depending on how the results go this weekend, can all can all switch around. Right now, Minnesota United's in second, uh, and uh, you have uh, actually Seattle and Minnesota are actually played each other this weekend. And depending on how that game goes, can determine like who, who gets that seed. Or you can have the Galaxy jump uh, ahead of both, and if, if they win and and Seattle and uh, in uh, San Jose tie, uh, not for the um, Seattle and Minnesota. If they tie, LA Galaxy can jump them and finish second. So yeah, there's a lot of stuff that could happen there. And then you have uh, Portland and San Jose basically fighting for what could be the final playoff spots there because uh, San Jose is just outside the the playoff uh, spot. I think they're in eighth, and Portland's in sixth, and they're basically like a point apart. So a lot of things can can jump out there, like like with you know, with you being in, in in Texas, like like like, are you able to kind of catch everything as as it comes? Like like like, how do you normally like follow on the games usually? So I got the ESPN, I got the ESPN Plus app, and then I got the MLS app, so I'm always following if I'm not watching. Um, but I just want to make a prediction. I think if Portland ends up playing LAFC, they're gonna surprise them. Um, LAFC is showing. Some chink in the armor. Uh, I think the way Portland plays on the road, it's. Uh, I think. I think uh, they can surprise them. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm. I know LFC has been hot for pretty much the majority of the season. Uh, ever since Vela got hurt against the Galaxy, they haven't been quite right. Even though he just came back last week. <clears throat> got got another goal. They still had another draw. So like right now things are kind of tricky for them. So I, I definitely and, and given that 
everything is just a, a one leg knockout, you know, it, it honestly things can kind of go either way. You never know how things um, uh, might go there. But um, yeah, I'm thinking that uh, right now my call is Seattle gets second, um, and and Portland um, um, manages to hang on. And yeah, I, I think that if I, I think that the trap games for LAFC are definitely if if, if they get the Galaxy again and Portland because I I follow and this always go back to last year when we first got started on the podcast like. Gio Savarese, like this, with it's playoff time, he's money, and like you can go back to his time with the Cosmos. Like the guy's just money. Like he always just finds a way to end up in in the, in the finals. And I think that I'll, now, while I don't think it'll happen this year, I think that he's the last person that you want to, you know, coach, uh, manage against come playoff times, especially out west. So we'll see how that goes. But we're gonna take a quick break. We're gonna go into. A frugal athlete. We're going to go into Cali SB 206. Um, some big news uh, on, on that front and how it affects in general, especially the college game. But uh, we'll take a quick break, pay, pay a quick bill, and we'll be right back. And we are back. So we've got a Mobia Kugo here with us. Uh, Austin Bowl. Oh, we forgot about the. Um, the USL playoffs, Austin's in, in fifth place out west. Like so, like how things have, have been going out for you? This being your first year in Austin in USL, like how's that experience been going? Uh, it's been uh, quite a pleasant surprise. You know, first of all, Austin's a great city. Uh, the coaching staff has has been really good and really accommodating to the players on the team. We got it's almost like a United Nations. We got a lot of players from different countries. Uh, different backgrounds, different ages. Um, so it's been good to, you know, not only be able to compete again, but, you know, be in an environment that has a lot of experience and a lot of people that are hungry. Yeah, so, like, um, what has been, like, your impression as far as, like I said, this being your first year in, in uh, USL? Of course, we we talked about it, you know, plenty of times. Like, they they went under our reorganization this year. We had the, ch- the championship, League yeah. 1, League to Austin Bold um, is, is in the USL Championship. This is separate from Austin FC, by the way. Uh, so, uh, so yeah. But like, like, what's been what's been your impression? Uh, so far, it's been good. I mean, to be honest, um, I've, I've been I've been surprised. You know, there's some there's some teams that get a big following. Uh, we were in New Mexico, and I was like, we're in New Mexico, and there's this many fans out here. I think it was like thirteen thousand fans. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so to that type of environment in the USL is like shocking, in my opinion. Uh, uh, Sacramento, my hometown, being being able to play there, go back, uh, the fan they get they get crazy fan love, um, and then just like some of the young talent that you you, you play against, like you, you, it, it's it's cool to see because I remember uh, being in MLS and we play some USL teams and it's. And it's like, ah, here we go. We got to play this guy. We got to play that guy. But some of the young guys that are coming up, you know, they're really talented. So I'm excited for them to get their chance. Hopefully a couple teams see them, whether it's MLS or overseas or even another USL team that can give them, um, you know, maybe more money or a better opportunity. Um, But it's been it's been it's been cool. Nice, nice. Uh, speaking of New Mexico, shout out to David, uh, one of the capos with the curse. Uh, he he bought a 
uh, FTC name set uh, recently. Uh, shout out to uh, Estrada, number 19. I'm looking forward to seeing that on the, the capital stand uh, out, out in Albuquerque pretty soon. But yeah, man. Uh, uh, so let's go into, well, actually, it's funny that you mentioned, you know, like I so said, your transition into USL because last year you didn't play at all. And and uh, so, and I was watching uh, some of your videos with a frugal athlete. Um, I feel like, like I think, like your first episode when you're talking about like, this the process as far as you being a free agent is that kind of what got the the ball rolling as far as your idea for a frugal athlete? Oh, so no. So I had uh, I had been working on a frugal athlete for two years. Okay. At, um, and then, um, but while I was a free agent. Um, I basically it was basically like a gap year for me, and I really just spent that time focusing on a frugal athlete, like solely because um, there's no team that was uh, working out in terms of the contract situation. So it really allowed me to focus on a frugal athlete. And during that time, um, working with some buddies of mine, we decided to come out with that uh, that sudden death series. And uh, just being a free agent, you know, everyone talks about it, but no one really dives into what it means and understanding, like, you know, as a free agent, you're not really with the team. So but you're fighting to be on a team. It's not like you're retired, but you're not on a team. So it's like that limbo that no one really understands. Like, how do you handle healthcare? How do you uh, figure out, you know, obviously, if, if you're not set up financially, how do you how do you navigate still trying to train and still trying to find teams while also uh, not getting income from a team. So um, with the frugal athlete, obviously we try to promote prudent financial practices and smart career decisions amongst professional athletes and student athletes. But with that particular video, we wanted to dive into, you know, what it's like as a free agent, things that you should look out for, things that you should prepare for, and um, just try to give people motivation to understand and give a little insight. So as someone like me who who's never played professional, like, like, Tell us about like like what uh, does a player like really go through like like I said when when you are a free agent and and you're basically fighting for like you said fighting for a job that you don't have and trying to make sure that hey you're still you still try to put your name out there basically. Yeah, it's crazy because you, so you have to stay you have to stay a tip top shape, but it's hard because you're not getting. Uh, what it, there's fitness and there's like soccer fitness. So like you can run on the treadmill, you can run outside all day. But when it comes to actual like soccer, like game fitness or small sided fitness, it's completely different. So you got to find a way to stay fit and stay sharp. And it's tough, you know how to how do you keep your touch sharp when you can only play like juggle or pass against the wall and stuff like that. You're not getting in the in the game action. So you always got to be ready for whether it's a training opportunity, a trial, um, from the fitness standpoint. And then you got to, depending on if you have a family or not, or, you know, depending on the situation that you're in, you got to, you got to kind of have to be, you got to take it on the chin, if if, I, if that makes sense. You know, you got to be, you got to be strong for your family because they're kind of asking you, like, what's going on? What, is, what does it mean? Like, are we going to go here? Are we moving? Are you doing this like this? Do the kids have to stay in school? Do the kids got to leave? Um, different things like that. So it's like a, it's an adjustment you know, to your finances, but your your life situation as well. And then simple things like, you know, health care and um, 
you know, a 401k that you no longer are able to contribute contribute to. So you have to find different alternatives, whether it's a, you know, IRA, different things like that, that I feel like people, uh, for the most part, don't even know about. So with, uh, with the video, that's what we try to uh, explain. That's what we try to, to highlight that um, even as a free agent, you still have to do all these things. And even if you're not a free agent, you got to prepare because you never know when it might come. Um, basically, that's it. Yeah. Uh, so, so with the frugal athlete, you also have a podcast that um, they come from. They have YouTube podcast. Tell us about the, the type of things that you uh, that you talk about on your uh, podcast. So yeah, so we have a podcast network. So we got three different channels within the podcast. So we got Money Talks, where we we, we talk to financial advisors, business managers, marketers, PR representatives of professional athletes. And kind of highlight how they help athletes, you know, create um, multiple streams of revenue, help, you know, build their financial nest egg, different things like that. Then we got a frugal athlete where we specifically talk to current and former professional athletes about, you know, money management practices that they've followed, um, different things that they're doing in their career and a little bit about themselves from the financial standpoint. And then we got a weekly podcast, Bank Shots, where we just, it's basically me talking. I need to find a co-host, so if you know anybody. Um, but basically me talking about different sports business and uh, uh, sports business and money management, current events as it pertains to professional athletes and student athletes. So for example, um, the new law that passed in California, we talked about that on our latest episode. You set up that, that nice segue. I see you, man. <laughs> We, we both have improved over the years when it comes to podcasting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, uh, SB206, uh, of course, with you being a California native and, and everything, uh, what SB206 is, is basically a, a state law passed out in California, just signed by uh, California Governor Gavin Newsom. What it basically does is allow for college student athletes to essentially make money off of their likeness, like whether it's on a jersey, whether it's on a video game, whether, you know, they want to have a somebody, a car dealership wants to use a mobile for a billboard, say, hey, you want to make some money, put, put you on a billboard, hey, you go ahead and make some money off of that. You know, they still haven't gotten to the point where, you know, colleges are paying athletes, you know, hopefully we'll, we'll cross that bridge soon enough, but I think that this is actually a really good step um, in the right direction, at least as far as players being able to to cash in on the value that they're already building in college like what, what what's been your perspective on it uh i think it's amazing i think it was a long overdue um obviously there's going to be some pushback and uh you know and people that are reserved or uh reserved about this this new bill that's passed but i think it's in the benefit of the athletes you know they're not getting paid from the ncaa so it doesn't cross those boundaries, but it allows them to use their likeness and use their name to, you know, make money and uh, supplement, you know, their time and their efforts and their sacrifices that they provide for the school and the their team. I, I don't see anything wrong with it in my eyes. Um, I think it's a, I think it's an amazing initiative that hopefully other states follow suit and hopefully the NCAA and corresponding leagues can, you know, kind of be on board with. We're not asking. They're not asking for the colleges to pay the athletes. They're just asking them to let them use their names, and I think that's very important. Yeah, absolutely. I, 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 there's a couple of different perspectives that I that I have here. Of course, you have the immediate 
on-field ramifications because, of course, a lot of uh, California schools, especially all the major programs, are in the Pac-12. So, of course, right now the NCAA is like, okay, if 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 they end up putting this this law into effect, which would which isn't until 2023, so basically we have four years until uh, that goes into into law. And but in the meantime, that course that gives other states time to you know assess everything, see like okay, if this is direction that we want to go. Mind you, those states have you know top schools and programs that they that they don't want to lose our recruits to. And so I think that as long as California doesn't you know decide to renege and say, okay, hold up, we change your mind, I think that you'll see. Of course, the, the big the big sports uh, states: Texas, Florida, New York, Virginia, Indiana. Like I, I think that it's only a matter of time before you see them introducing uh, similar laws to where uh, they can um, put put their college athletes in a position where they can get paid, and, and more than likely, uh, those schools will be able to benefit from that as well. And then also, the big thing that I, I think. This is really cool to like where like a player like yourself like that like, because you went to UCLA, correct? Oh uh, yes, sir. So, you know, granted, in in college, soccer is is a non revenue sport, but at the same time, you know, it doesn't mean that you know, especially UCLA having such a premier soccer program that you know, like you may have a, a closer following in that local LA area, uh, or, or Indiana, like out out in Bloomington, they they may have. Um, you may be able to have a player say like, "Hey, we have a top player that we want to be able to advertise." You could actually do that now. Whereas, I think that I think kind of tricky thing with the NCAA and paying players is because you have that such disparity between the, the revenue sports like football and basketball and the non-revenue sports like soccer and golf and tennis and everything. Uh, it, it it kind of makes it hardest for like the how exactly do you split the pie up? Whereas here. It's basically, hey, I see a value in, in, in this specific player or, these, or this team. Like, I want to pay them. And, and it's, it kind of, it's kind of more strict to the point, I think. Yeah. I mean, just imagine if Zion was able to use his likeness at Duke. Uh, at Duke, Or yeah. even in the sense of colleges, if, 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 if you work it out in a way, you know, you could save uh, scholarship money to give to other players. Whereas now you have your, your marquee player – um, depending on how it work, like you can give him like a fifty percent uh, full ride, and then and and compensate it through endorsements um, on, for the other half. So now you get a player because soccer you only get so many scholarships. So now you get a player, a top player, because you've figured out a way to use his likeness to compensate um, for the rest of his school education, and then you can get. Uh, more players, and now you have a better team. Now, if you have a better team, you're playing. Uh, you're playing in marquee games. You're playing longer in the NCAA tournament, and it works out for both parties. Um, so, for me, I think it's. Uh, I think it's it's the perfect medium for both parties, where the colleges don't have to pay the players, but they're allowing them to make money for being college athletes. Yeah, you, you never know. Like, depending on, you know. Their current situation, like they might be able to say, like you know what, I, I got I, my my money is good enough to where I can afford to stay another year or so in college, you know, just you know to uh, 
basically to you know continue building up my my degree. I don't have to necessarily rush to uh, to go to go to the pros. Like I said, I, I think that there's a lot of potential there as far as what can come from just this law alone. Like I said, like like so. Hopefully, the NCAA wakes up and realizes that you know they have to figure out some way of adapting and and making this work. I I, I do one thing. I do. I will say I agree on is that I think like they were saying like for this type of thing that there should be some type of like federal law and I think there should be and I, and hopefully you know they'll they'll see enough they'll see enough states in the next couple of years passing the law that we're like you know what we just go ahead and just have a uniform law across the um, across the board and hopefully on um, like so it, it'll be a continuing step in the right direction but um, circling back over to our frugal athlete there was something that I saw on your web page. Uh, that I really, I really caught my eye. A frugal lessons from the TV show Ballers. Now, me, I'm a big Ballers fan, and <laughs> if anyone who's seen Ballers, like everything, like you have The Rock, uh, you have um, John David Washington, and basically a lot, a lot of that show revolves around how players are handling their money. So obviously, with with your program, like it, there's definitely a lot of stuff that you can take from that. Like, tell us, um, tell us about that. So yeah, so balls came around. It, it, it was like timed perfectly around the time I started Frugal Athlete, and I started watching it, and I was like, "This is like the Entourage, but like the sports version of Entourage." Right. And um, it, 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 it like hit me. I was like, "Actually, let me like I should probably make notes on like the lessons that they're trying to provide." Um, but it didn't. I, it didn't hit me until like halfway through the first season. So then I started doing it. And uh, it's been going well. Obviously, this season I've been slacking. I need I need to catch up on the episodes. So Same. thanks for reminding me. Uh, I, I'm going to get on that later today. But yeah, ballers they do a great job of you know not trying to force the lessons, but like indirectly showing you know some of the decisions that athletes make in terms of money management and uh, and, and how you know how they kind of fall into the trap or how they kind of. Uh, springboard their careers in a positive in a positive fashion. So they don't only they don't they don't only show negative situations, but they show positive situations as well. And that's what I like about ballers. They show some wild situations as well. But yeah, <laughs> uh, yeah, I need to catch up as well. And of course, they're, they're not afraid to go after um, the big subjects too. Of course, last season they had you know the fight up against uh, NCAA as well. So like it's all it's always interesting to me like how you know. A lot of professional athletes, and of course, in the Rock's case, he played he played um, college football in, at uh, University of Miami. Everyone sees the racket, and it's like so. It's, it kind of boggles my mind how, you know, I've, I've always been a big believer of those who are in power. Those who are in power, you know, are scared to lose it. And I think that's what basically what you're having here because, like, I was watching First Take earlier this week and. Uh, when they were talking about this and how basically what you have is the NCAA has been trying to get away with a system that, you know, takes advantage of uh, basically free labor at, at uh, basically in every sport that you can probably think of. And it's about as, and what's changed is student athletes, players, they have access to phones and internet and research and, they're actually paying attention to the world around them, and they're realizing that yeah, you're not getting paid at Ohio State. I'm not getting paid <laughs> at UCLA. I'm not getting paid at, at Wake Tech Community College. Like all, all like we're nobody's getting paid. It's like we should do something about that. And I, I, I think that 
it like I said, everything from this I think is a step in the right direction because I think that there's way too many kids out here who who don't come from much but then suddenly get thrown into a very big situation where they're a big deal and, and people are making money off of what they do and they should be able to get a cut out of that easily. No, that's facts. Yeah, you're not lying there. They should definitely get some sort of commission or revenue stream from, I mean, their hard work. Um, before we before we head out, like, um, like kind of to tie this all in, like, like what's your? Cause I'm pretty sure, given everything that you're that you've been doing, have you been keeping up with the CBA? Yeah, yeah. So it should be interesting. I mean, I was part of the CBA negotiations last two times around. So um, I'm definitely going to be tapped in uh, to see what the boys do. Um, after how last time went, I'm a little bit skeptical of how this one will go. But, uh, you know, fingers crossed and hopefully something can get done to protect the players. You know, the league's changing um, for the better in terms of – exposure and um, all different types of things. More money's coming in, more teams are coming in, uh, more eyeballs are coming in. Um, but how can the players get rightfully compensated, whether it's money, whether it's leverage in terms of contract, whether it's uh, resources outside? You know, I think charter rights has been something people have been talking about. Um, you yeah, think, it's interesting. They can get flights and and greater rights. Uh, yeah, I think first for me personally, I would flights is not really um, one of the priorities if I was still uh, involved because mm-hmm. me personally, I like sky miles and um, I, I get my best sleep on flights. But that's from a personal level. But now with the amount of competitions and, you know, um, the amount of competitions some of the top teams play and uh, the shortened league and plus international games, um, I think a lot of a lot of players that made charter flights is a main issue. But I would much rather have the rights situated, you know, being able to kind of control where you go, uh, get out of your contract if necessary, um, get rightfully compensated when you outplay your contract. Um, all those things I feel like are more important. But once again, um, the league is still young. It's not even 25 years old, I believe. So um, it's growing, it's growing, it's growing. Uh, but hopefully the players can get compensated at the rate of its growth, you know. So yeah. we'll see. Yeah, that was one thing that I, because like I, I followed the CBAs as well. And, you know, flights will be great. But my my thing as far as, just on a whole, on a holistic level, like I feel as though having your rights follow, follow you instead of like instead of following the team that you last played for, to me makes no sense at all. And uh, and of course, like if you're in, in a situation where, like in your case, you're no you're no longer in MLS, it's like okay, like your rights should go with you. It shouldn't be okay. Like I last played for Portland, and you know so. They they would have my rights if I decided to go back in the MLS like that. To me, that just boggles my mind. And then of course you had the issue as far as pay goes, to where like you st- you're, we're still at a point of where uh, players are aren't making enough to where they can afford the cost of living in every single market. Because you know the cost of living down here in Atlanta is not the same as it as it 
would be in, in Austin or it wouldn't be this, it definitely isn't the same as it would be in like New York or Seattle. And I think that you need to get to a point of where if, in, in the event you get traded, you know, all willy nilly and shit, you know, you can still afford to live no matter where, no matter where you end up at. Yeah, I, I, I completely agree. I think it has to be uh, respectable. You know, you can't have, you know, one guy in the locker room making 10 mil and then the guy next to him is, you know, making 40 thou. I mean, you are what you you are, what you negotiate and you are what your your value is. But at the end of the day, um, come on, it has to be it has to be reasonable, like you said, especially if you're living in New York or L.A. or Seattle. Uh, Chicago now, um, these big markets, you got to be able to, you got to be able to, you know, fend for yourself, especially when you're sacrificing your body playing 90 minutes here and there. Um, at the end of the day, though, you know, you got to be grateful to be able to play professional soccer, but uh, don't use that as a harp against the players. You know, Yeah, they're grateful, but they want to be grateful and compensated. It's not, a, it's, it's not, it's not, it's not a hindrance to ask to be compensated. Um, like you feel like you should so it'll be interesting hopefully you know, something gets worked out because there's a lot there's a lot of leverage on both sides right now with the with the way soccer is growing yeah absolutely man i'm definitely looking forward forward to it definitely i'm glad i got a chance to you know talk to you and uh, have have you on the show um before we ro- uh, roll out like uh, where, where can they find you where can they find a frugal athlete uh, make sure they already know how to reach you no, respect, man. Thanks for having me on. I hope to be back sometime soon. Um, so you can find me at, at Amobi Says, A-M-O-B-I Says, on Twitter, Instagram. Um, if you're on LinkedIn, just type my name in, Amobi Okugo. Uh, you can find Frugal Athlete, Frugal Athlete, Twitter, Instagram. Um, we've got the website, www.afrugalathlete.com. Subscribe to the newsletter. Subscribe to the podcast. The Food Athlete Podcast, Money Talks Podcast, its own platform. So, um, yeah, that's basically it. Cool, cool, Fuzzy. Again, thank you for uh, for coming on. Of course, uh, for everyone out there, uh, we're looking forward to the last week of the season. I'm actually going to be up uh, doing the coin toss uh, at the Atlanta game this weekend, so I'm looking forward to that. Yeah, man. Yeah, man. You know, I'm, 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 I'm... I, I I got friends in, in, in low places, so you know I'm 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 doing big things. But um, so yeah, I actually, actually haven't been to, actually haven't been to a to a home team game in about a month. So I'm well overdue. Like people have been asking me, like where you been? I'm like, cause uh, oh, before we forget, FIFA 20. Make sure you go. Like I heard there were some bugs with it, but I but I, I got I, the same thing. If you heard, if you saw our videos um, from Friday, well, we were at um, at uh, Brew House here at Five Points. Uh, shout out to uh, Marquise with Smashing and Bashing reviews. Uh, check them out on YouTube. Uh, but yeah, it was it was a dope. Like I said, the the gameplay is straight. Just that, yeah, they got to work out the bugs, especially with uh, with career mode. Because I, I I I didn't. It's funny because I've. I've never noticed it until it's kind of like pointed out. So I was like, yeah, like it really hasn't changed a whole lot in forever. And and then, of course, the, the, the longer you go in your seasons and you realize it's like it, the teams that you often play, they 
they never put in like their absolute strongest team. It's like why is why is Pogba on the bench? Because he was injured. And <laughs> put him back in. I'm like, yeah, that's so stupid. But yeah, yeah. But, but if you haven't, let us know what you think uh, as far as FIFA 20 goes. Let us know what you think about about the show. Leave your feedback. Of course, we're available on all the major uh, podcast apps. Find us on the social FTCUTD. Make sure you get your name sets at FTCUTD.myshopify.com. We got some uh, some new stuff. Of course, we shop everyone who who uh, orders a name set. We make sure to you know shout them out on the socials. But yeah, again, thank you, uh, Moby. Glad to have you. I know y'all got about four weeks in the season um, in Austin, so best of luck to you. I know like, like y'all and y'all, y'all still got a chance to move up to fourth, I believe. So yeah, I'm, uh, hopefully everything will work out on your end. But yeah, I appreciate you having me on. Uh, having you on. Uh, thank you. I forgot you forgot to talk about uh, so the Maradona documentary comes out. Yo, it's out today. Yo, I'm looking forward to that. Like, uh, matter of fact, it's, it's nine o'clock now. Um, as soon as we get off of here, I'm gonna go check it out. If you got HBO, uh, HBO Go now, whatever apps, HBO Max, I'm, I'm, like every everything's getting streamed nowadays. So yeah, make sure you <laughs> check out Maradona. Like, I, I'll, I'll probably talk about it in more detail. Once I, I'm able to watch it, but yeah, like every every preview I've seen, that shit looks absolutely dope as hell, and I'm like, I I can't wait to watch that. So yeah, if you, if you have the means to do it, find your cousin, find find, find your grandma, <laughs> find your login, watch that shit. But yeah, in the meantime, for Moby, for Ringo, for Coach, Grego, the coach is real, the coach is everywhere. We will see y'all next week, and we out of here. Yeah, man, I appreciate it, man. Yeah, man. Yep. That, turned, that turned out real good. That turned out real good.